They just came on now. Let's try to get closer to the stage. Sorry. Excuse me. Do you want to go on my shoulders? Yeah, that'd be unreal. Thanks. Wow. Three celebrates connections made by music this summer. Find out more at 3.ie forward slash music. Tumbling Saber team is proud to present Worthy of Recognition, a look at the names and faces that make Star Wars an unforgettable experience and an integral part of our lives. Hey everybody, welcome back to Powerful Friends Friday and this edition of Worthy of Recognition. And man, am I excited this week to bring this to you and our good friend over at San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast. Say hi to Steve Kirk, everyone. Steve, how's it going? Hello there. Hello there, sir. What's going on? <laughs> oh, just having a lovely evening here. How are things up in the Great White North? Uh, warmer, I suppose. It's still below freezing, mm. but, you know, it's it's a lot... <laughs> it's funny that I can say it's warmer, and yet it's still below freezing. That's, that's an example of how cold it's been and how snowy it's I, I, been. I wondered how that was going to work. Yeah, well, I can't really complain. You know, I, I, people complain at work all the time. It's too cold. It's there's too much snow and there's ice everywhere. I go, yeah, but think about where we are. Sure, we get four seasons and there's pros and cons to each, but we don't get earthquakes. We don't get hurricanes. We don't get we don't get any of that garbage. We're spoiled. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And and I'll be honest. I've lived in the southwest of the U.S. for so long. I miss seasons. Yeah, I guess we, we have summer. We have summer and non-summer. <laughs> well, your winter time is is what? How, how, what's the temperature like during the day there? This week it's been seventy-five to eighty Fahrenheit. Oh, oh, yeah. So for our Canadian friends and our UK friends, that is about twenty-six, somewhere between twenty-three yeah. and twenty-six degrees. Oh. Oh. That's that's my wheelhouse. <laughs> twenty three so to twenty six. I get ex- so I get excited when we have rain one day. I'm like, oh, thank goodness! Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, geez, yeah. Well, I've heard tales about Southern California when a drop of rain hits the windshield and everybody drives off the road. <laughs> Has that been uh, something you've witnessed? That is not an exaggeration. <laughs> not people freak. <laughs> out the government freaks out so if there's if there's a chance for rain in this area the emergency response center they've got a mailing list that i'm on they send out this email oh there's rain coming this week here are all the areas where you can go pick up sandbags oh man really well i guess if it's really? if it's arid dry ground i guess there's i guess flooding could be a problem i guess i understand it that can't- it can be, but it doesn't matter that it's not a torrent coming. It could be, hey, look, we might get half an inch of rain. <laughs> oh, dear God, everybody board Noah's Ark. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how people totally overreact to rain here. I, yeah, I don't remember where I first heard that. I think maybe it was the Jim Rome show, when I, but way back when I used to listen to that. And he used to make fun of his 
where we, I think he was broadcasting from L.A. at the time. And he used to mm. just say, everybody in Southern California, one drop of rain hits the windshield and everybody just drives off the road and smashes into each other. So how can that Absolutely be? Absolutely true statement. <laughs> it, it's true. They, they, don't, they don't get it. They, and, and there is a legitimate issue is when you live in an area where the roads are constantly warm and hot, it brings a lot of oil to the surface. So then you add a little bit of rain and you've got some pretty slick roads suddenly. Yeah, that's that's exactly it, right? It's it's the oil, and it's uh, yep. everybody driving on on summer tires. You don't need all yes. seasons or or winter tires like we have. Oh yeah, there's no concept here of summer and winter tires. None, <laughs> it's, none. It's, they're just tires. They're all just tires. They're just tires. And you could probably yeah. let. Them, I mean, yeah, the weather is so pleasant there year round. The roads are probably nice and smooth. You could probably let your tires wear right down, and it's yeah. still not a problem. You, you go to the tire store and they'll say, you know, we've got a special on all-weather tires. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need yeah. that for? That's cute. That's a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my yeah. goodness. All right, so how are you doing with uh, your, your honeymoon with The Last Jedi? I'm enjoy- I still am enjoying The Last Jedi. I am very positive about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm... Right there yeah. with you. I, I, the more I think about it, and I've been thinking about it a lot, the, the hmm. more I just, I, I love it. A, co- a couple really oddities do. that I, that I, you know, I, I kind of squirm a little bit over, but overall, uh, I'm, I'm super excited for March 27th when the Blu-ray drops. I'm excited yes. for Ryan Johnson's trilogy. I know. Oh, what a time to be a Star Wars it's- fan. It's so fantastic. You know, there's no movie in the world that's perfect, Star Wars or otherwise. So, yeah, there's things that I personally might have done differently. Okay, fine. But I love the direction it went. I like the way things were portrayed. I love the way that it was directed. The music was amazing. The visuals were outstanding. There were so many outstanding elements to me that any of the quote-unquote negatives are just completely overshadowed by all that. Yeah, yeah, the negatives are a pittance compared to all the great stuff for me. All the, all the stuff that, everything just worked so well for me. Aside from a couple of little nitpicks that uh, really I, I can look past. Um, you know, I, I think the soundtrack is one of the things that really, of course, really props the movie up. And in listening mm. to the soundtrack over and over, it really it plays like as greatest hits of Star Wars. It does, doesn't it? It's got so many cues from the from the OT and a lot of mm-hmm. vibes. Maybe nothing outright from the prequels, but the vibes are there. And of course, the the stuff from from the Force Awakens has been doubled down upon. Yep, it's just the greatest hits of Star Wars. I it, I love it. It really it really kind of is. And you you know the song that's that's really kind of captured my heart. Which one's that? Because it's so incredibly different, and now you probably know which one it is. It's the Canto Bite mm-hmm. song. My kids love that song. I, it gets me bouncing in my chair anytime I listen to it. And and you listen to how different it is, and then you have to take a beat and realize this is still John Williams. Yeah, like he went nuts. He went nuts. Oh with my this. god, this is fantastic. I wonder what direction he got. <laughs> From from Ryan Johnson, like mm. for sure, like he cut. Ryan Johnson had given 
John Williams a cut of the movie with Star Wars music cut into it and said, we're looking, this is kind of what we're looking for, or maybe uh, a, a reworking of this theme, new instrumentation, whatever. I'm guessing, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing that maybe he put the Cantina band song in the background for, for Canto Bite and said this, but you know, on steroids, like it is yeah. wacko that, that stuff. It, it, I would have loved to have been a fly in the wall for that conversation. And it does some, I, I can't name them now, but the, he, John Williams used some really unconventional stuff. You can hear it in the background. It's, it's stuff that you wouldn't even <laughs> think of as instruments. Yeah. <laughs> the guy's a genius. Yeah. He's a mad genius. He, he truly, truly is. All right. Well, on that note, let's, let's break into yes. your Mount Rushmore of Star Wars, so to speak. So you know the you know Ooh. the ground rules. You can say anybody you want in any particular order, but for for reasons known, we can't use George Lucas because frankly he should be on everybody's list, and it would be a really boring show if everybody just say, "Oh, it's George Lucas," because you know, well, he made it all. Yeah, I mean, credit where credit is due, and move on, right? Yeah, every he's 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 elevated. He's beyond our our Mount Rushmore. He's on Mount Olympus of Star Wars, and we don't go that high. <laughs> The air is right. just too yeah, yeah. thin. Yeah. All right, so take it away. Give it. Give us your first name. Oh man, this this took me a while to think about because it's it's almost like somebody saying, "What's your favorite movie of all time?" Ah, oh, no, <laughs> there is no such thing. So trying to narrow this down was was an incredible exercise and really forced me to think about my entire Star Wars journey over the last. 40, almost one years now. Yes. That, this is what I was hoping for. Get, make people dig deep and pull up some, some gold nuggets. Because another, another story I'll say it again. Like when mm. I started this branch of the podcast, Corey was saying, well, that's a dumb idea. Everybody's just going to say Luke, Han, Leia, and you know, insert one other name. It's, everybody's going to do that, mm. and it'll be really boring. I said, well, if, it's, if that's what it is, then you know, we'll, we'll learn pretty quick. But so far, everybody's brought pretty unique stuff to the table. I'll try not to overlap too much. <laughs> oh, but I mean, but that's the thing. Like everybody has their own reasons for it, or their own yeah. their own yeah. connection to that person, which is which is the gold here. I, I, you, you literally took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that's where the gold is. Absolutely. So number one, not necessarily in order of rank, but for me, this this was the first thing that popped into my mind. Number one is Obi Wan. For me. Now, is it, is he, it the Alec Guinness? Or are we talking both or just the entire character? It's the character. So, by definition, that includes Alec Guinness and Ewan McGregor. And maybe James Arnold Taylor? <laughs> yeah, I'll buy that. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. And, and, um, let's, and let's throw in Stephen Stanton for a good measure. For, absolutely. Yeah, it's... <laughs> it's it's the overall character. So everyone who had a piece in creating and and demonstrating and bringing us this character gets credit for this. So the very first thing. So I'm I'm old enough. I saw this in the theaters when I was six years old, and I think that creates an interesting experience versus what people have today. Even even if the prequels were their first. Star Trek, Star Wars movie they saw in theaters. It's a completely different universe um, in 
the sci-fi realm. So in 1977, sci-fi was not what we know as sci-fi, right? So at six years old, this was effectively my first, and let's avoid the whole sci-fi versus space opera discussion, but it was my first movie of this type, and it was awesome. So this became the baseline by default. This, this was it. Well, there, there was there no other. There seemed to be, and I wasn't around when A New Hope dropped, mm. but there seemed to be an accessibility to Star Wars that other sci-fi fantasy stuff did not have. You're right. That's part of what has made Star Wars such a phenomenon, is it, it broke that ceiling, if you will, and it, it was a kid's story that was, that was incredibly accessible to adults. It was, it was classic hero versus villain, good versus bad, that we all just got, and we, we all connected to in some way. Did right? we ever? <laughs> here, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how these and movies here we are. Have hooked us as kids and continue to hook us as adults. It's, it's, yeah. I don't know that anything has ever done that. And it's, I, it's characters even like, since then. like Obi-Wan. It is. So, I, so the very first thing we hear about Obi-Wan, if you, you know, as you're watching through episode four, is really Uncle Owen's description of that crazy old wizard. Now, me, me, you know, me being me, I heard that line, and I, I, I still hear this line, and my first thought is, Crazy old wizard. Ooh, I want to know this guy. Yeah, that's that. He sounds like a cool guy. I'm. I, let's go. Let's go check him out. And I don't know if one influenced the other or the other influenced the one, but throughout my life, as I played D and D and video games and role playing games and and all that, I've always tended towards mages, wizards, magic users. And how else do you categorize that old hermit, Ben Kenobi? He's very much that Merlin figure in A New Hope. He's very, he's very mystical, mysterious. You know nothing about his background. There was something about these things called Clone Wars, whatever that means. Yeah, those, those but, really, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Ah, the word escapes me. But the, the, there's there's something about the Clone Wars that evoked this great mystery in you as a kid. What were the Clone Wars? What was that all about? Yeah, love to hear that story. But they clearly they were epic. He was a general, and you know he's a, he's he's this mystical wizard. He was a general, so he he must be very powerful. And he's this he's clearly this legendary character. Yeah, there's a there's a gravitas to it that you know even as kids watching you know, you're watching Alec Guinness, who's a legend. But we didn't know that as mm. kids. He was just an old man. Some dude. But you bought into it. You knew that this guy was something, was the real deal. He was special. And that's the power of the storytelling right there is you, you automatically, not even consciously, you filled in your own headcanon and said, okay, this guy's cool. And he was. <laughs> Obi-Wan was, was, was super cool. Yeah, still, still is. So then prequels. And here comes you and McGregor portraying Obi Wan, and oh my God, can it be any more perfect? Did yeah? Did they nail that or what? I, I have never. Like if you ask me which is a bear portrayal, 
Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan or Hugh Jackman as Logan? Oof. I'd, I'd probably still go with Ewan. He was good. Because I can't think of anyone else who could have nailed Obi-Wan that way. Remember those early, early rumors before The Phantom Menace that it was going to be Kenneth Branagh? I do remember that. And I thought, mm, mm. I remember going, okay. That kind of gives me an idea of ages. And sure, look, he looks like he could play the role. And I, I, I didn't know his body of work super well, but I knew that he was a, a respected actor. But I'm, I'm glad they dodged that. Yeah, that, w- that was a smooth move right there. And it, so, and it makes sense because now Ewan's primed to play Obi-Wan in that, that gap between episodes three and four. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I mean, that, that's, it's inevitable. It's coming, Steve. <laughs> They're not going to get away with it. I, I think there is a better than even chance of it happening with all the little leaks that we've heard. And I know... Lucasfilm has to be quiet about it. It's it's the wrong time for them to talk about it right now. Yeah, yeah, they, they've got just a little bit too much cooking right now. Mm-hmm. You know, they they've got the Last Jedi. You know, for better or worse, hmm. you know, they're trying to manage the good and the bad of that. They've got Han Solo well, right around the corner and Rebels in between to deal with. So to sneak in an, a, another announcement, a huge announcement like that, yeah. Wow. That just might be a little bit too much on their plate. It depends on what the timing's going to be. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, you know what, here's, here, here's the way I would think of it. Because you also have to consider what else is on the roadmap that we don't know about. And they've, they're, they've got, they've got to be managing this roadmap for five years out. And so they have ideas of what's coming beyond JJ number nine. We have no clue, but they've got to manage all that. So. I would, I, I might argue, let the, let the next six, eight, nine months play out as is. Let TLJ run its thing. Let Han Solo come out and, and get to and maybe through the theaters. Then we still have a year plus before JJ number nine comes out. Somewhere in there might be a good time to re-energize some stuff with a Kenobi announcement. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's sort of one thing I dread now <laughs> in this whole podcasting game. <laughs> you know, we talk about the news every week, and we we always somehow yep. found, find something to talk about. But mm. we have an eighteen month gap coming, which now yeah. seems like you know we we've dealt with drought before. We've gone from eighty three to ninety nine, and then from 05 to uh, twenty fifteen. So we we've dealt with gaps. That's not really the issue. But now it's, it's eighteen months. Whoa. Well, well, let me make you feel better about that. So let's, let's think about this a little bit. So the end of March, uh, TLJ comes out on disc. Fantastic. That's going to extend the time we talk about that because we're going to get deleted scenes and we're get two hours of bonus material. That's going to feed us for a while. And then Han Solo comes out. Well, we're not going to talk about Han Solo for two weeks and then be done with it. That's going to that's gonna feed us for a little while. So then you can imagine come spring of 19, celebra- well, Celebration will be coming out. That's a great time to start doing marketing for JJ number nine. So do we really have 18 months of drought? We might have six or eight months of relative drought before they start, you know, by the time Han Solo really kind of winds down and we're, 
quote unquote out of out of new material, but then that'll come out in video. There'll be deleted scenes. Okay, that'll feed us for a little bit longer. So maybe, and maybe I'm being optimistic. Maybe it's not as bad as we think it could be. I hope not. Things are usually worse in your head than they actually turn out to be. And I'm yeah. sure they have a plan to keep feeding the furnace all the way through, so that there's no there's no die off or. Well, you know, but now I think about it, sometimes the absence makes the heart grow fonder might apply. And maybe we they do figure that fandom needs a bit of a break. So maybe they do just give us radio silence for a few months. Mm. It seems it seems sort well, of counterintuitive. But they did that with, with The Last Jedi. They gave us the teaser at Celebration in April, and we heard nothing until D23 in July with the BTS trailer. That's true, eh? There was maybe some, was was EW even doing their thing at that point? Was was Bresnikan whipping out his, 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 big, his, his awesome writing at that point? I don't even think so. His big bomb was in early August, wasn't it? Yeah, he's, he had a couple of them. And I think, yeah, August and then again, in maybe October. Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. I think, when was Vanity Fair? Vanity Fair was early, was that the July issue? Hmm. Might have even been sooner than that. I want to say maybe May. No, not May. It wasn't May. May possibly June. Yeah, maybe somewhere in there. But it gave us some interesting interviews and a lot of pictures to talk about. So, so the smallest little tidbits we just we gobble right up and, and <laughs> we make them to the biggest deals. It, it's both silly and wonderful at the same time. It absolutely is. Uh, so back to Obi Wan. Yes. Favorite favorite Obi Wan moments. And it's funny because we just got asked this in consecutive weeks on our podcast. What is your favorite Alec Guinness and then your favorite Ewan McGregor moments? Mm. Man, so, okay. And because I help run a lightsaber school, I will tell you one of my favorite moments is the Kenobi mall fight. Mm-hmm. That's high on a lot of people's oh. lists. Oh, Beautiful. Duel of the Fates. Just beautiful. Um, no, not, not TPM, the, the Rebels. Oh, fight. oh, Twin Suns. Twin Suns. Twin Suns. Oh, yeah. that Twin Suns. Yeah, I guess as, oh. as the, the Saber Technique master here, you would probably think, mm. we all look at the, the, the long, drawn-out choreographed fights and go, ooh. But you look at it Which from that. Which are flashy that, and sexy. Yeah, exactly. But then you see the master do three strokes and done, and you go, there you go. That's how it's done. <laughs> That is literally how it's done. Yeah, and that's, I think that's so, what Dave Filoni said in, in the aftermath of all that, that when you watch those old samurai movies, you see these uh-huh. face-offs. They're not these big, drawn-out affairs. It's it's a couple strokes, and the fight's over. And, yeah, and that's you, true mastership. You know, if you go to our Facebook page or YouTube channel, I've got some videos up there of, of our guys fighting, either within our own school or at tournaments. And if, if you think of it as, as a point being a session... You know, it's strike, strike, done. That That's how it works. Yeah, when you think about the whole idea of swinging swords at each other, that's really all it takes. <laughs> it shouldn't... It's unrealistic to think that you'll, you'll go for 20 minutes and not get hit and die. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a very athletic thing. So you, you could, if you fought for two minutes, you'd be starting to go, okay, how, how do we end this? Not to mention you'd so, be exhausted. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, that's just it. Is is your it it wears at you. It's an incredibly athletic process. So and when you see the flashy, sexy stuff on screen, okay, it's great, but all they keep doing is hitting stavers. Okay. <laughs> Looks great on screen, but if you are facing off with an with a true opponent, your goal is not to strike their sabers, but to strike their body. Yeah, that makes all this. Yeah, this. I mean, it's it's used for for I guess attack and defense, right? And you you, you yeah. want to get the opponent, I guess, in the body, and that's that's it. End it. Yeah. So if you do it right, it's it's quick like that. So that so that scene that twin sons fight is definitely one of my top Obi Wan moments. I would say. That's a good call. Mm. That is a really good call. Cause I, a lot of people default to something from A New Hope. And a lot of people go to Duel of the Fates, but I, I like that you went in there and, and pulled out mm. that master moment in Twin Suns. My, my number two favorite would be right as Obi-Wan, right before he gets struck by Vader in the New Hope fight, he glances at Luke and gives this small smile, this, this, this little smirk. He knows what's he knows what he's doing and he knows what's coming. Yep, his his his, his grand finale mic drop moment. Watch this. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that is that is beautiful to me. Yeah, that's that's again Alec Guinness doing what what I guess legends do, right? Yeah. Yeah, Obi Wan's a good call, and you can see his face kind of hammered into a mountain too, can't you? You can Yeah, it works, doesn't it? It really does. But yeah, I'll never remember. I'll never forget that that first time I saw Obi Wan meandering into the canyon, and that you know his hood is up, you can't see his face, and he's kind of staggering over mm. the rocks, and it's a mm-hmm. perfect image of a crazy old wizard coming at you. Yeah, just some weird old hermit. Watch out for this guy. You don't know what he's gonna do. And it's funny because again, you you take him into Mos Eisley. Here's this this guy that everybody thinks is just this crazy weird old man. But damn, if he's not the most traveled, most most definitely the wisest and mm. most most savvy guy in that cantina. Yeah, you almost start to think he's in his element. Yeah, you know. And he's well, yeah. He doesn't you, th- you think back to Attack of the Clones when he's in the club and he's like, "I'm going to get a drink," and he's he's mm-hmm. at the cantina. He's like, "Let me let let me get you something." It's all about the drink for this guy. No wonder his last yeah. name is Guinness. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind that either. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty good, actually. Right. All right. So wh- let's let's before we move on. Hmm. I assume you want to see this Obi Wan standalone, just like the rest of us. What would you want to get out of that? I, I guess I want to, I want to explore. I want. And, and, and maybe that, I don't know if it makes for a good script, but I'd love to explore those years when he's watching Luke. So I think there is an inferred relationship between Uncle Owen and Obi-Wan. Yeah, it's been explored Obviously, a little bit in comics, I believe, mm-hmm. and it, both canon and legend. But yeah, there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a bit of a relationship and not, it's not very warm and cuddly. 
And I think that would be interesting to understand better. It would be interesting to see on screen. Obviously, Obi-Wan dropped Luke off there, so they know each other from that point. And by the time we see Owen again in A New Hope, can't stand the guy, stay away from him. You're not allowed to like the music he listens to. <laughs> you know, yeah. there, there, there's a bit of animosity there. So something happened to burn that bridge, and that's that would be interesting to explore. And then... He's obviously familiar with Moss Eisley. Okay, so he's been there. He's interacted. I'm assuming he's going there for more than just picking up groceries. Are there any interesting stories? Almost like, almost like a Kenobi movie made in the style of, from a certain point of view, the book. You know, there could be some mini stories which is where I kind of caution and backtrack going. I don't know if that would make a great movie, but hearing some of those stories in those 16, 20 years. Could make for a really good Netflix series. Or sorry, a, a, a streaming series once Disney gets a hold of their own streaming service. I, f I wish I could remember who said it. I know it was one of our fellow Commonwealth, Commonwealth hosts who suggested the rumor of Stephen Daldry being connected to this project. Yeah, so that, yeah, that was that was Mark on his uh, daily, and I think yeah. that was off a suggestion from Nathan that maybe this, that, that's mm, that's mm -hmm. where this is all going. That maybe Stephen Daldry is going to format this for a TV series, and um, that could work. And you and maybe you could do it. It could be the type of thing that it spans the entire nineteen years. Or whatever it is, yeah. time spent. That that's an angle that's not been considered yet. That maybe it's you know, a t a, you know, ten episodes, and each one sort of explores his first couple, his year one or two on Tatooine, and then and so on and so on until we get much closer mm -hmm. to A New Hope. Mm -hmm. That would be really interesting. The the more this sits in my head, the more I like it. I I almost like it more than a than a standalone movie. Yeah, that's that, that's a great question too. Do you want it, do you want the movie or do you want the TV series? And I think most people go, oh, give me the Star Wars movie. There's something really special about Star Wars and cinemas. And we, on first knee jerk reaction, you go, yeah, of course. But then just do hmm. do some math. If you got ten one hour episodes, you get ten hours of of Obi Wan content versus yeah. two, maybe two and a half. And the other, the other thing with a good movie, even if, even if it's, a, if it's a fantastic movie, it will leave questions open. There's, yeah, there's just not enough all, ground, right? Right. So if we get a standalone movie, even if it's a fantastic story and we love it and it's, it's brilliant, we're going to be left with questions and going, I need more. I've got to have more. You, you didn't answer this thing about, you know, what, whatever happened between... Obi-Wan and Satine, is there, is there a story there to be told? You didn't tell us that. Yeah, he, he, didn't, get, he so, didn't talk about her at all. We didn't see him reflecting upon that. Yeah, there, how dare there, you not answer that question? <laughs> there are things that would get left out. So the more I think yeah. about Obi-Wan TV series, the more I go, oh, that's, that's something that would get me to pay good mm. money for Disney's streaming service. Yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd be on. Take my money. I mean, they're taking it anyway, right? Disney's Disney's going to own me between Google, Disney, and boy, there's there's maybe two or three companies on this planet yeah. that just they own me. It's over. 
Yeah, you you put all those fees together, and it's like house payment, car payment, and entertainment payment. Pretty much. In that order. Pretty much. <laughs> all right, let's move on. Let's let's hear from your okay. second face on your Mount Rushmore. Number two. This one is it's a combination Carrie and Leia. It's it's really hard to separate the two. It really is. All these legacy actors, you know? it's, it's really hard to separate one from the other. Yeah. And maybe we're blessed because Leia really has only been portrayed by Carrie. So she completely owns that character. Yeah, I guess if you if you were my brother, you would loophole it and say that Cat Tabor, I think, or uh, is that the actress that does her voice in Rebels? In in Rebels, <laughs> she, she's had a couple of lines. Yeah, so it's I'm, it's a stretch. It's it's Carrie Fisher's I'll, thing. Yeah, it's it's still Carrie. Yeah, it's it's, it's Carrie. So, you know, if I if I kind of cut to the chase, Carrie slash Leia represent hope absolutely punctuated with throw one right yes all the way through from a new hope through the entire original trilogy and you could potentially even say you know the her and luke's birth in revenge of the sith still represent hope and rogue one and tfa and last jedi it's always about hope one of her earliest bits of dialogue is her projection, her message to Obi-Wan, help me, Obi-Wan, you're my only hope. There's a sense of, she, she portrays, even in this darkest hour, even in, in the face of incredible odds, she still has hope. And the way she portrayed the character, and we've all talked about how amazing Carrie was in A New Hope and so on and so forth, she, she just exudes and brings to the entire story that there is a way through this evil. We can succeed. And if you kind of then take this into real life and say, look, one of the main reasons we watch entertainment of this nature is to escape real life, right? Absolutely. And so having something that we connect to like this with such a message of hope connects us back to our our real lives and, and our own personal struggles and can revitalize us. And through her portrayal and through her work that she's done, she can, she can deliver us hope in a very personal sense beyond the screen. Yeah. She will. Uh, yeah. She will, she will live forever with, with not only Star Wars fans, but with, with everybody as somebody who, mm. who always had hope that there was a better day. Just one one more day from now, it'll be better, and I'll I'll keep fighting. Mm-hmm. Have Have you read Leia, Princess of Alderaan? It's in my queue still. I've right now. I'm I'm trying to get through from a certain point of view, and then I think that's going to be my next one. I've got five or six Star Wars books in queue right now. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> I've, got, I've got Rebel Rising and and uh, mm. what uh, Guardians of the Wills. And I've got uh, Dark Disciple and A New Dawn. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the list goes on and on. And there'll, there'll be yep. more coming for sure. But right now I'm, I'm going oh, through Leia. Yeah. And it's fascinating. It's re- I read Bloodlines, which was amazing. Incredible. And I think I, once I finished that, I bought Prince of Alderaan. I said, okay, this has got to be next. Oh, wait. 
maybe one or two others first. <laughs> yeah, it's it it's really good. It's Claudia Gray is is pretty much a, a wizard when it comes to writing Star Wars. I I, I just wish they would just yeah. give her. A, I don't know how many how many books can she handle? Just give her a ten book deal, a five book deal, something. Because I will I will take as much Claudia Gray Star Wars writing as as, as she can possibly muster. I bet she's stu- got stuff in the works. I really hope so. I bet you. What, what she's yeah. doing with Leia is really, it, it's fascinating. It, it's taking the Leia that we meet in A New Hope and deconstructing it just a little bit and seeing her build into the character that we meet. And it carries you through know? to The Last Jedi. You can see some of the mistakes that Leia calls Poe out for in mm. The Last Jedi. She's making a little bit herself. Mm-hmm. in Princess of Alderaan. And it, it's nice mm-hmm. to see that circular type of thing where she, yeah. was not, she wasn't always perfect, but she, she, right. you know, she figured it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a great call. Uh, did you ever get a chance to meet Carrie Fisher? I never did. I came close. I, I, <laughs> I, I intended to go to Celebration Europe and would have at least met her there, but then my Europe trip fell through, so... Ugh. She was scheduled to come here, I think in 2014, I want to say, to our Comic-Con. And I was super mm-hmm. excited for that. And then, uh, no. <laughs> it just, it fell apart. Maybe it was a bit earlier. It was Maybe it was 2013. It was whenever they were actually, I can't remember if it was news had broken for The Force Awakens or they were actually shooting it. But the understanding was she's not coming because there's actual news work with Star Wars to do and... She regrets it. And mm. She'll come back in the future. And I left it at that. I was like, okay, with all this stuff going on with Star Wars, she'll do the rounds again, and for sure I'll see her again. Uh, yeah. Not so much. You just never know. Yeah. And it, I mean, we're, we're just over a year past her death, and it's yeah. oh, it's a little bit easier now, but you know, I'm looking at a, her on my poster on my wall, and it's not. It still hurts. It still hurts. And to think that yeah. you know, she was the baby of that group. There's yeah, nobody right? younger in that movie. Yeah. Not one person. And I, 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 I still look at her and I go, you're 19. Yeah. In A New Hope. I'm like, wow. Remarkable, eh? That she was able to just stand toe-to-toe with those actors in, the, in that whole, throughout the whole movie. Her being the only girl and she's five foot two or something. She's... This puny mm-hmm. little human being, but she just had such a big, commanding personality. She just it. it that's ugh. part of what did it for her and made her so amazing. Have Have you read any of her uh, personal books? I have not. I'm halfway through. I'm halfway through a lot of books. I'm halfway through uh, the Princess Diaries, her last book that she published right before she passed away, the one where she outed her affair with Harrison Ford. Yes, I've heard it's that a, one is quite uh yeah, there's It's fantastic. It's a it is in Yoda's words, it is a page turner. I've heard that about that book. A lot of interesting stuff, a lot of a lot of I don't want to say dirt, but it's really it, it hmm. it's really revealing. It's history. Yeah, well it's on nice. that note, have you seen that what was it called? Uh the the documentary the doc- with Bright, her was it and, Bright Lights? Uh, I forget the name, but no, I haven't. And in fact, somebody asked me about that yesterday. I was like, oh man, I've 
got to go get that and watch it. I've been meaning to. Yeah, it's it's called uh, Bright Lights, starring Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. And that was only slated to come out. Uh, geez, I want. Oh, she passed away in 2016, late 2016. I think it was only supposed to come mm. out mid 2017. But because mm. of her passing, yep. they said, you know what, the world needs this. Pull it up now. And yep. so they released it very shortly after her death. It's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. actually really good. I I've got to bring that to the top of the queue and watch. Yeah, that. yeah. It's, it's it's an hour and change, and yeah, it's easy. Yeah. But it was tough to watch, <laughs> you know, just so soon. Yeah. Like the, the wound was still so raw after she passed away. Like watching all that. And going, oh, God. I mean, I'll, celebrity deaths don't phase me. I just don't have connections with people like that. It's like, oh, well, you know, that, that's really sad. I'm, I'm sorry to see them pass. I cannot believe how I reacted to this. I was not expecting that from somebody who I've never met. And I'd, I'd, I'd hear or I'd specifically listen to Leia's theme and it would just bring me to tears. I, I was afraid. It's incredible. I was afraid of how I would react in The Last Jedi when we knew that, you know, obviously Leia was going to be all over that movie, as would her theme. Mm-hmm. And I thought I would just be like mm-hmm. a blubbering mess. But I, I did too. I didn't. I wasn't. But... Really? Oof, it's still, it's still, it cuts pretty deep. <laughs> there, there were a few moments which brought tears still through, I, I've seen it three times. And even on the third time, even when I know what's coming and I've experienced it, just one little tear right there. I'm like, it's, it's still there. <laughs> Ryan, damn you. Oh, bless you and damn you at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah, no, there's, there's a lot of those moments in The Last yeah. Jedi. And uh, yeah, well, sadly, so, that's going to be it for Leia. Well, what do you foresee yeah. for her in Episode oh, Nine? How how are we going to deal with this? You want my prevailing theory? Well, I, I want your theory, and I want your your wish or my approach. My approach. Let me put it that way. I th- I think for the, I think even Leia or Carrie aside, you've got to have some sort of time jump here. It just. From a story point of view, that's what you need at this point. Three to five years would be appropriate. I would not go beyond five years. It's too much. And much more beyond five years, you start having to age the younger characters, and that gets difficult slash expensive. And that can be problematic if you don't cross the uncanny valley. Yeah, you open yourself up to having them look inconsistent from one scene to the next. Yeah. So you don't want to age them too far. So I think you could go as much as five years without worrying about either CG or prosthetics. So, okay, fine. So assuming everybody sticks to what they've come out and said, they won't digitize her. Good. I think that would be... It would be unfortunate. Uh, and there's no good way. There's no good way to handle it. I don't think, <laughs> but I think I have an approach. So I'll tell you what I don't want to see. So I don't want to see them digitize her. I don't want to see them kill her off in between off screen and just have the crawl store open with general Organa's died. God, no, please. No, you get, you gotta tell something just a little bit. doesn't have to be a huge arc, 
but you gotta do you gotta touch on it in on screen. I think so. The character so, deserves that, right? So if you can't show her, because you've committed to not doing that, if you don't recast, they've said they're not going to recast her and they're not going to CGI her. Great, fantastic. What you could do is still use her voice. You could create a scene. Maybe there's a battle, and there's a distress call, and maybe there's cut off communication. So you you hear her, but you can't see her. And this gives you that two-minute opening sequence where her command ship ends up being destroyed, and now the rebellion has to react to that and, re- and continue rebuilding without her. That, that could work. It could. You'd have to get... You'd, the, the other actors in that scene would have to really sell it. Yes. And I don't know who's in there to do that. I guess maybe Poe is one of them. Yeah, that would make sense. I mean, yeah, you, you could maybe put whoever he's, you want. Maybe he's, got his, maybe he's got his own command by now. Yeah. And, and this leads into him solidifying that position of leadership that Ryan has instigated. Very possible. What a, what a in hindsight now, a great mm. little move that he made there in a symbolic handoff anyway of, of, of Leia saying, what are you looking at me for? Follow him. Oh, that was brilliant, wasn't now it? Now we can we we can stuff as much meaning into that little line as we want to. Now that not only is that a symbolic passing of the torch, that is an actual literal passing of the torch mm-hmm. if we want it to be. Now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it, it's really kind of fun talking about the Last Jedi with people who are not in as deep as we are, where they see these little things and they assume they were done on purpose because she passed away. No, 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 no. And then I have to explain. <laughs> you see, by the time she passed, the movie was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was all, it was wrapped. It was done. Sorry. Not quite what happened. Like when they, mm-hmm. they've told us what we shot of Carrie is what her role is. We were not changing a thing and they didn't as far as we know. And she's right through, she survived the movie. A lot of people thought that maybe they'd go back and edit the movie a little bit to make it seem like she was gone or no. Like she, she's obviously right there alive and kicking good to go into episode nine, but. And you know what, if, if it were JJ directing the movie and he said, no, I didn't do any editing because she passed away. Mm. Yeah, JJ, we've heard you say these kind of things before. I'd be 50-50 on if that was true or not. But one of the things we've heard a lot about, and I think we've seen in TLJ, is that Ryan is a hardcore fan. He loves this franchise in his heart. Oh, yeah. So I am willing, if he says he didn't change anything, and he was still in edit at the time, so he could have, but if he came out and said, we haven't and we won't, I'm willing to believe him. Sure. I'm definitely willing to believe that. Yeah. A lot of people were saying uh, in the aftermath saying that when, when Kyla or when the, when her, when the Radis got shot and she got Mm. sucked into space, that should have been it. That's, that's how you write out Leia. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wait a sec. That it arguably, it might be her best performance as Leia. 
mm. and her and definitely her last. And mm-hmm. that's to be her last scene. You're gonna you're gonna take away her reunion with with Luke. You're yeah. Cut out the rest of her brilliant scenes. No, no, no. Can't can't do it. It would just it would rewrite the film. Yeah, and and there's a, a huge domino effect. Yep. So yeah, no, I'm I'm glad they left it in, but it, it gives well, it, I guess it gave Colin Trevorrow fits on how to deal with that. And yeah, it might have I, cost him his I, gig. I wish I knew enough people to figure out what really happened there, but I have to imagine that was the linchpin of him getting walking papers. You think so? I mean, that's that. That is one of the theories that it just the way they dealt with it wasn't just wasn't to his liking. Or to Lucasfilm's liking, and yeah. they wanted it change. I don't know. I, I have no clue what he. I don't know his work well enough. I obviously don't know him at all. Yeah. What could have and, been and so I'm even, unsatisfactory to get the guy shown the door? I'm even willing to entertain that he was stumped by how to do it. That he's the one that said, you know, look, we've been we've been fussing with this for six months and. We've gone back and forth and back and forth, and I, just, I can't do it. I can't figure out a way to do this. Yeah, you won't let me recast her. I, we can't CG right. her. I don't want her just. Mm-hmm. I don't want to write up her death on in the opening crawl. Mm-hmm. I, I'm stumped, guys. I, it wouldn't. I'd be. I guess I would be surprised if he just tapped out. Then again, I might, at a certain point, would... you have to say, Uncle. I, I just. I don't know what to do, guys especially in a Star Wars movie. How do you walk away from doing a Star Wars movie? But if you understand the magnitude of this thing that you're having to deal with, you don't want to be the guy who got it wrong. Oh, no. No, oh, no. So I could see, you know, if I had signed up to do it, if I put myself in his shoes and, and I had a director's ego, but then this happened, and if I just hit a wall, you know what? Maybe maybe we talk about a project again in the future, but I I don't think I can do this to the quality it needs to be done. So I would if if he tapped out, I would really respect that. Yeah, because right now I think he's he gets a bit of a rough ride. Yeah, I being, I, one of the reports is that his ego was just out of control and he was thinking a little mm, too highly of mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, maybe that, directors do that. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I guess he wouldn't be the first and probably won't be the last. Mm-hmm. And who knows how that message gets out there, right? I, I don't want to say Lucasfilm was putting out little hit pieces about the guy or, or leaking things to the press to to make themselves look better. I doubt that. I don't. I don't want to put a no. tinfoil hat on about all this. Yeah, but it, it's hard to imagine that dealing with Leia's fate didn't play a huge role in, in Trevorrow being ousted. Yeah, exactly. I have. I that that has to be a big part of it. So do you have any favorite Leia scenes? Hmm. Wow. You know, the let, let me put I'll, I'll I'll do two. I'll do two. There's the classic and the modern. So the classic favorite Leia scene would be in A New Hope. Cuz I'm that weirdo where A New Hope is my favorite movie, not ESB. That's not weird. <laughs> it seems like I'm in the minority, but that's all right. That doesn't stop me. Um, in the detention cell scene when they're pinned down in the hallway and she just grabs the blaster and says, fine, I'll get us out of here. Yeah. That 
is stealth. You've never seen a heroine do something like take charge and do that. Yeah, all she needed them to do was just open the door and let her out. And she'll, she'll I'll take it from here, dummies. Yeah, <laughs> but she grabs a blaster, takes charge of the situation, and down the chute they go. It's like, wow, that that exemplified Princess Leia was not a quote-unquote princess. She had no problem getting her hands dirty. She knew what she was doing. She's in charge. Love that. Yeah, that's, that is, yep, that's a classic Leia scene. So that's my classic scene. My more modern scene, uh, it's, it's almost a tearjerker. It's in The Force Awakens when she and Han are having the moment at the Rebel base on Dakar as he's about to fly away to Starkiller Base. And he pulls her in and she rests his head on her, her head on his chest. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the trailer and going, that that's that's a goodbye hug right there. That hits you in the feels. Yeah, because yeah, we we knew, or at least I had a very very strong sense that TFA was going to be Harrison's one and only appearance as Han, mm-hmm. and that that hug was Han leaving Sim- for whatever reason and foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt that at the time, and it's true. So that whole scene, you see Leia. She walks in as a general, but then you it hits you in the feels at the end of that scene, and she's still vulnerable at the same time. And it, it, it kind of encompasses this whole range of the character. Yep, for sure. So, yeah. And yeah, it's, it's going to be tough, man. Moving through episode nine. I mean, the, the door was wide open for Leia just to do her thing mm. in that movie. I know, it's just, it's and now just, we'll never uh, know. Just so, just so heartbreaking. Yeah, but very worthy of recognition, as we like to say here. As we say. All right, number three. Number three. Now it's a little bit of a repeat, but it's still incredibly personal to me. The Maestro. Yes. Mister John Williams. Yes, sir. I, you might be the first person. No, 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 no. Tim, Tim brought it did up he? when when he was on. All right. Yep. Sorry, Tim. <laughs> yep. I, I did some research, but I had it on my list before I heard him mention it. So it's not because of him. So music has always been a very deep personal thing with me. It's it's that that thing that can just influence my mood. It can bring me to tears. It can make me jump up and down and dance around. It's, it's, it's one of the most impactful things of life to me. And throughout my adult career, I've really had a lot of experience appreciating music for what it is and its impact on entertainment. 15, 20 years ago, oh, that's a great soundtrack, but you never really... consciously noticed it a lot during movies it was mood music for the most part and they just you you subconsciously absorbed it yeah you take it for granted almost yeah now we're so much more aware of it and the risk that lucas took using a symphonic score which, which had just not been done in this genre before 
and the genius of what John Williams done. Try, it, try and imagine Star Wars with anyone else doing it or doing it differently. It just, <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. It, it doesn't it, work. It doesn't work. No. It does not compute. It's, it's, John Williams' score is Star, Star Wars. It really is. You cannot separate, separate the two. You, can, you could argue, I might argue, anecdotally, that it is the Star Wars score is perhaps one of the most recognized pieces of music across the planet. Well, we're two Star Wars fans, two diehard Star Wars fans here. So you're not going to get an argument from me. And I'm, I'm a huge <laughs> Star Wars soundtrack junkie. Well, you and I have talked online mm-hmm. about vinyls and mm. the, the, yep. that super crazy fancy three-disc vinyl set for A New Hope's 40th. <sighs> so good. Well, I, yeah, we, I guess we can talk about that here. But um, mm. I, I think I agree. I couldn't really tell you another cinematic score that it would have a greater recognition globally. I, if you think about, if, if you walked into a pub in an alley in London and you broke out your phone and played the Imperial March, everyone would know what that is. 100%. If you, if you went to the Vatican, they would get it. If you went to a shop in Tokyo and you played the Star Wars theme, People would gather around you and start asking you questions. They, I can't imagine going anywhere except maybe sub-Sahara Africa, <laughs> and even then. Well, maybe, maybe in China, recognize it. So the, the mm. last two movies haven't done super well, so maybe in China they they wouldn't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd, that's very sad, but they don't know what they're missing. So the other thing that makes this really personal for me is I have had the blessing to see John Williams live twice at the Hollywood Bowl conducting the LA Philharmonic. Nice. Doing doing all of his movie scores. Oh. Oh my God. That's gotta be something special. So hearing him do Superman and Raiders and E.T. and all the classics, fantastic. Oh man, this brings me back. You get jazzed up. That's just the appetizer. The whole second half of the show is then Star Wars. And as it opens, as he opens the second half of his show, a majority of the audience busts out their lightsabers. That's what they're waiting for. That's what everybody's there for, right? So this is that whole musical symbiotic reaction when you're at a live show where the conductor and the orchestra are into it and the music they play feeds the energy of the audience who then react and pump out this more energy, which, which primes the symphony to do and the players and the artists to do even better. And it just becomes this very symbiotic relationship and people get out of their seats as the Imperial March plays and this whole troop of lightsabers start marching around the Hollywood bowl in time to the Imperial March and, you have been taken to a new universe. You are crying out of joy. This is where you are meant to be in this moment. And it is, 
it is so, it, both those times have been so emotional for me. I, it literally brought tears to my eyes and just, it's so overpowering. So if you ever get the chance to see him and he is getting up there in age, I, I, I the last time I saw a show was two year, a year, mm, year and a half ago. And it it was an effort for him to get through the show, but he did it. He did it. He loves doing it, but it was, it was pushing him physically. So if you ever get the chance, jump on it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that he'll travel this far north, but if he does, you know, I'll, I will be there with bells on. That that is for sure. Now I, I have yeah. had the, I have seen Star Wars music performed live twice, not by John Williams, of course. It's mm. still a treat to see. I, I saw one yes. local orchestra that, you know, they play locally um, in and around Montreal, but there's no, it's, it, it's only wind instruments. And so they, Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's harder to find out string sections. So they, they do everything only with wind. And I think they're, they do have a piano and they do have some percussion, but mostly it's wind and they do a really, really good job. So that mm. was fun to see. And I also got the chance, I think in 08 or 09 or so, to see Star Wars in concert, which Ooh, fun. which was a lot of fun. A lot of mm. fun. Before the prequel announcements, it was sort of in that dead zone where we just thought, mm-hmm, well, mm-hmm. this is what Star Wars will be from, for us going forward. It's going to be these one-off experiences, animated shows, yep. whatever. That's, that's how we're going to live. But Star Wars in concert was fabulous. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, it is one thing to see Star Wars music live. It must be another thing entirely to see Star Wars music live conducted by George William, uh, John Williams. It really is. It's just it's powerful. And in between sets, he'll you know turn around and stand on his podium and tell little stories and talk about things. And I remember in the 2016 concert, you know, at one point. It was right before he played some music from TFA. He told this darling little story about talking with JJ about scoring TFA. And they sat, he wasn't, he wasn't really sure if he was, he, this is what he said. He wasn't really sure if he was up to doing it and sat down with JJ and they went through the script and saw the, you know, what was going to happen. And he said he just absolutely fell in love with both Daisy Ridley and the character of Ray. And the way he put it, he said, I cannot allow anyone else to score her theme. I have to do this. Yeah, he's very protective of, of that theme, of, of that character. Yes. Which is which is good so to it, see. It, it's good to see that get he's... get those little... Mm. Yeah, he's almost treating it like his granddaughter, I guess, in a way. In a way, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's beautiful to hear those little stories and, and feel that connection and, and that, that power and passion behind him. It just, it, it's, it's connecting to all of us, right? Oh yeah. Like you said off the top, it's, it's, it's impossible to picture Star Wars without his music. It's, yeah it, it just does not work. It's try to envision Star Wars without the force. Like it's, it's, you're pulling, you're, just a story. you're stripping out the genes, the DNA of, of what makes Star Wars, Star Wars just can't yeah. be done favorite soundtrack overall is it a new hope just as it is your favorite movie it's hard it it's the classic how do you do better than the original 
it's 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 been with me so long. But as you said, the last Jedi soundtrack is kind of a best of, and I'm just really digging it. Yeah, I think the last Jedi. The movie itself may not be in my top three. It, I don't know. It may edge in at three. It may just slip out. I'm not sure. It's, I'm, it's still in flux for me. The soundtrack is mm-hmm. in my top three. For yeah, sure. Yeah, totally. And it's just a matter totally. of letting it marinate a little bit more and catch up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's right there. And the New Hope soundtrack yeah. is obviously groundbreaking. But it, it doesn't have Imperial March. It doesn't have Yoda's theme. There's There's some stuff missing there. Is but it, but it also has things that the, the other scores don't have. It's still one of those things we you know we talked about the vinyl is I can I can put the LP on and I can turn up the volume and even even though it's it's the opening theme song and we've heard it hundreds of times when you turn it up and you hear it in kind of a controlled environment it still gets you. Oh yeah. You know. I don't get to do that very often. I, I've usually <laughs> got too many ears around that, ah, it's too loud. And my, my uh, kids love when I put the Star Wars music on. In the car, that's all they want, want me to put on. That's all. It's, it's it's amazing that they say, Dad, put on which, which soundtrack, kids? And they'll say, oh, The Force Awakens. That's usually the one that comes out. Sometimes they'll say Rogue One. Whatever. You just you, you tell me. Hmm. You're not asking me to put on Barney or... Any other like kitty music? You're asking me to put on Star Wars. Just say the word. Done. Done. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't get. I have some really big tower speakers that I that I really really love, mm. and they're really good. And I have a great mm-hmm. amp to go with it. Mm. I just don't get the chance often enough to stretch its legs. But when I do, if there's that odd time when the kids are out of the house, my wife's taking them out for whatever reason, you best believe that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm throwing on an LP or a CD if I don't have yep. it, and I just crank it. Peels oh, yeah. the paint off the walls. It's awesome. <laughs> it is. It's fantastic. I've, I've had people over and I've demonstrated that and, and other items of demo worthiness with my system. And people are just amazed at how the pictures don't just vibrate off the wall. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've, you're a bit techie this way too. So you, you might, you'll, I hope you, you get, like, I've biamped my speakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and they just I, sing. I greatly appreciate that. I, they just sing, man. I I, I don't need the seven point one, mm-hmm. so I just send double the power to the front towers, and whew, yep. it, it yeah. does. If I crank it, it rattles the floors. I'm and I don't have a subwoofer. <laughs> ooh, ooh, interesting. I am probably going to get a phono amp for my turntable just because. Why not? It doesn't necessarily... I've got it so it doesn't necessarily need it. But come on, let's be real. It's going to happen. There's one good reason to do that. And it, it's a good enough reason alone. Because the Star Wars soundtrack is done. I, yeah, I was going to say, I've had, technically I've got two. Because I've got that 40th anniversary A New Hope LP set. And I've also got the Rogue One soundtrack on vinyl now. Which I've really... I, interestingly enough, sorry, with tangent here, but... When Rogue One came out, I just did not love the soundtrack. Yeah. It just, it, it, it didn't took time. work for me. But a year later, and I don't know if it's because I got the LP. It's, it's tangentially because I got the LP. Therefore, I'm listening to it a lot more. I've really started to notice a lot more of the subtleties 
in the music that he wrote, and I've really fell in love with it now. I I I really do love that soundtrack. It's better than some mm-hmm. of John Williams, which is a, maybe a little blasphemous to say, but I I like Rogue One soundtrack better than some of the Star Wars scores. I w- I would definitely rank it above the prequels. I I put it I put it above Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones borrowed okay. too much from from the Phantom Menace for mm. it to stand on its own mm. for me. Sure, but yeah, it's it's really really good. And it's especially the back half of the album. Like once you get mm. once you get to Edu and meeting uh, Krennic, meeting Vader, then the soundtrack yeah. really picks up. So I mean, there's a lot of people who go, ah, it's not it's not John Williams. It's it's not hitting home with me. And I just say, just give it time, give it another spin. And really, yep. like for me, the, the way that soundtrack grew on me is it started from the end and worked its way back. Like I can appreciate that, yeah. The first, the, the first, I don't know, nine, ten tracks, I was like, okay, this is mm. okay, this is good, fine. Mm. But once we got to the end with, you know, the climax on, on Scarif and yeah. Vader doing yep. his thing. The Vader scene. And the end credits, like, it's all phenomenal. And then from mm-hmm. there, I just kept back going back and go yeah this is great too and this is great and suddenly i'm halfway through the soundtrack and i'm like this is a really solid score considering Mm. he had four weeks to do it yeah especially because of that and what he did in that time holy cow that it's amazing it's it's really quite special i'm really impressed i'd like to see what he can do with you know whatever the regular timetable is let's let's let michael giacchino Mm. do that but let's let's jump back to john williamson just Ah, is it, yes. Is, so, Oof. a new hope is your favorite score. I think that's what it's my we're favorite at. classic score. Yeah, it's my favorite classic. Any favorite cues, themes? Mm. It changes over time. It's a mood thing, <laughs> yeah, as music will answer. do. Um, like right now, my the ringtone on my phone because I've just been in that mood lately is it's the trench run. Yeah. That is, that's a whole good, yeah. that's a great sequence. There's some classic symphony work going on there that, that tied with, you know, the, the action sequence that we see and we, we dream about every night. It, that's my jam right now. You know what, you know, got me in, in the last Jedi soundtrack. It's the cue mm. where mm. Chewie flies the Falcon into the trench on crate. And it picks up. It does, it, yes. It just blasts yes. right into. Um, I think it's here they come on the New Hope soundtrack, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. It's where you know where the Tie Fighters attack the Falcon after dun, they escape dun, the Death Star. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right back into the classic, classic. And that uh, that just hit me right between the eyes or right between the ears, I guess. In my first screening, was, I wow, I can't believe they went there. It was it was it was amazing. Beautiful connectivity for. Reach, there was so much in this movie that that reached back for forty years, and and the music was a big piece of it. Oh, for sure, from Yoda to Leia's theme to Here They Come. Oh, mm. so, mm-hmm. so so good all around. Masterful. All right, so cheers to John Williams. Yes. Oh, oh well, before we move on, he is oh, yes. interested Please. in nine. He's he's confessed that he if he's if he can do it, he will do it. Which I, I imagine it's it's his job to turn down at this point in his career. Oh yeah. How do you feel about going forward with Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Is it still his trilogy to turn down, or do you, do you think they should just let Williams do the Skywalker saga, 
end it and then let Johnson do something new if that's what he chooses. Well, I'm I'm intrigued. So so I'll go back a step before I answer that. I'm really intrigued that he's writing the theme for Han for Solo a Star Wars movie. But that's all he's doing. Yeah, bizarre. It's a, it's a little bit bizarre. Welcome, but bizarre. So I'm I'm glad he's doing it. It's interesting he's only doing the one. So then it's, well, are you busy with other projects? Are you getting wrapped into work on JJ's movie? Because he's, he scored The Last Jedi much differently. Instead of doing it at the end of edit, he scored it along the way, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. But, um, Ryan was giving him a, a cut of the movie. Yeah. With yeah. music already spliced in, and just said, you know, just just do this. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was it, it was a much it, different process. It, it was it was much more earlier in the process. Instead of you know, a lot of times the score is the last thing he would do, in 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 post. So, yeah, he was I Williams wonder, was done in early 2017, I think, with scoring. Yeah, which is it, really bizarre. Kind of made me go, what? Huh? That that sounds early. Yeah, no doubt. But okay, and and it worked out brilliantly. So, you know, kudos for him. So I'm wondering if he's suggesting, or if he has time baked into his schedule to do a similar process with JJ for number nine. Hmm, don't know. And then, so then back to your question about the trilogy. Well, hmm. So part of me, part of me worries about his age at this point. What is he physically able to do? And Dear God, what happens when he passes away? Uh. <laughs> he's mid to late eighties. He's eighty six right now. Yeah, and he he recently said that I think he was speaking to Variety when he confessed that yeah he wants to do episode nine, but he also said he has right. no intentions to retire. He said he just he loves music. This keeps him feeling young and keeps him inspired. So he's just going to keep doing it until he can't. I absolutely believe that about about him. This is his passion. He's it's it's that thing of I don't care if I get paid or not. Of course I'm doing this kind of thing. Yeah. So I I don't know if there's so, if there's you know a, a rule in place at Lucasfilm that says hey these are Star Wars movies or these are saga movies. Johnny's our hmm. guy. You, if you can just just ask him first, okay? If he says no, fine, yeah. move on. But let's let's run this past John Williams first. It does go and make you wonder if he has a right of first refusal contract. I don't even know if it would be a contract so much as it would be just sort of courtesy. Like, John has done so much for Star Wars. We go to him first out of respect. That I absolutely believe. But seeing as Hollywood is run by lawyers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what what am I thinking? You never know. Yeah, sorry. Reality. Apologies. Um, so I... I don't I don't know if he would be involved in Ryan's new trilogy or not. I just it's it, you could if you think about it as objectively as possible, which is hard to do because we're too invested. Because of his advanced age, there's a risk. And maybe you just take it one at a time. That might be it. Just yeah. That might be the way to go. Yeah. But then if you have to, you know, you, you pass the reins off to somebody else who just might be like, I want to do something totally different, but I have to use 
Mm. I have to use all this stuff that came before. And it's John Williams. I don't have a problem with that. But still, I'm not going to get to do my thing. Well, remember, a, a number of people said after Rogue One, they said, well, what if they're preparing Giacchino to potentially step in for John Williams at some point? And based upon what he's done, I would not object to that. Yeah, now, well, they, so have, they have John Powell now with the Han Solo project. Oh, yeah. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I guess we, we have a bunch of guys being groomed or at least being looked at or considered. Yeah, so it's it's good to have options in case the maestro is not available. Absolutely. All right, let's 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 wind it up here. Number four to close off your Mount Rushmore of Star Wars. All right, so I apologize. I'm going to pull a Corey. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> I got to loophole this slightly. Boy, his, his legacy really endures through all the shows, huh? He's not even here. He's not even here and he's here. <laughs> that man, I swear. So number four for me, in keeping in the spirit of these are, these are personal, right? Absolutely. Is I have to give credit to my co-hosts, Eric and Robert. Well, of course I have to let, that's not, that's no loophole. It's technically a loophole, yeah. but, uh, you know, I was thinking about, I was like, well, I can't give credit to one without the other because it was the three of us that founded our group that went into podcasting that do everything we do. No, this is this this what, is okay. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You know, we we've the the work that we've done together in creating this lightsaber combat group. We are. It's gonna sound nerdy as hell. We are bringing Star Wars into real life for people. Sure, yeah, it's it's making it a real tangible activity. Since we were children. We've played with lightsabers, everybody, and pretended this was real. And now we're making it a real thing. This, and, and, and so as a result, there's this intense feeling of this thing I've created, I'm now part of something that's, that's bigger, which everybody tends to enjoy being part of something that's bigger than they are. And literally in the two years that we've had the group going, Watching people come into the group, get very passionate about this this martial arts activity, which I'm not very good at, to be honest, but I go anyway, and literally have it, ha, ha, literally see it have such a positive f- effect on people's lives, because a lot of times when you study martial arts, it's not just about the physical training, but there's a mental training aspect as well. So I've seen people get over personal struggles because of the training that we're going through and we'll sit down half you know if you really go into the program half of what we teach you is we sit down and we talk about what's going on what are you struggling with not just in your training but in your home life hey I see something's bothering you let's talk about this so there's this this really strong coaching aspect that goes beyond the lightsabers so Seeing people improve their lives and improve their situations, get over mental stress, get over drama. I've seen people quit smoking and get healthier. I mean, how how do you not feel good about that? And doing it in a Star Wars way. Oh, my God. That's got to be really gratifying. <laughs> it's got to be really it's, cool. It's so awesome. I mean, I, we were at, at practice last night, and 
I was not feeling great, so I'm pretty much just sitting around judging people. I mean, watching people. <laughs> <laughs> but but watching these people, I'm thinking, wow, you've only been with us for six months, and I see your technique improve, and I can sit down with Eric in private sessions and say, hey, what do you see going on with this guy? Yeah, he, you know, he's picking up his training really well, but, you know, he's got this mental block, and there's something going on, and we're going to have to sit down and talk about this for him to get over it. And I said, yeah. I figured that was a mental thing too. He's overly analytical and he's analyzing things too much and it's getting in his way. Eric goes, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. So yeah, we're judging people, but <laughs> there's nothing. We're all about judging people here. Absolutely. He's judging all of you listening harshly <laughs> <laughs> right now. You don't even know it. You're all graded and there's no bell curve. It's yeah, it's too late. <laughs> Just give up. We've already, we've already judged you. <laughs> So it's, it's fascinating. It's, it's so good to be part of something like that. And then to get your nerd on at the same time. Holy cow. That's cool. And then you guys set up the podcast uh, 53 episodes ago? Yep. One year ago, almost just over exactly. And that's been just another huge aspect of this, which for me has just made me dive into Star Wars even deeper than I have the last 40 years. And it's, it's such an amazing feeling. And then uh, part of this is, is your fault. And part of it is the guys over at the nerd room that now I'm starting to get into sorry, some not collecting. Sorry. sorry, not sorry. You know, I've, I've got my first six scale sideshow. I've got another one on order. My, my Funko pop collection is growing. I've got to get a case. Oh now. no. Yes. You've been ensnared. Uh, the the comic books are starting to weed their way in. Ah, I'm not <laughs> no you, the tentacles. You don't hear it. You don't hear any resistance in my voice either, do you? No, it's just like take. All right, here you go. Take my money. Here's my pin number. Go nuts. It, and then okay, you'll you'll love this. I've got a guy who does my taxes. Oh, here he's we go. A, he's a big collector too. <laughs> So he, he has sat here and helped me figure out how to make all these collectible things a tax write-off for me. No. Yes. Wow. I, I want to I quote uh, Newt Gunray and ask, is that legal? It is. Oh, based nice. upon Based upon the business that I have and the, and the work I'm doing, it is absolutely legal. I will make it legal. That's, that's phenomenal. So I, I need to set up a business then and start... Writing off There's all my so many advantages. There's so many advantages. It's fantastic. He's like, do you go to the movies? Well, yes, that's a tax write-off. I think I should go to the movies more often. He's like, yes, you should. What? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, it helps when you work in, in any sort of media or entertainment-related field, according to the U.S. IRS regulations. There's so much I can write off. It's phenomenal. Wow. You're taking you're taking loopholes to a whole new level. Mm. Oh, I could school Corey on this stuff. Oh man, well that's not hard to do. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. Well, <laughs> true, fair. Oh, I love that guy. But, yeah. <laughs> but so 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 let me give you an example of of how amazing podcasting is. It's both frightening and amazing at the same time. I I don't know how much listeners understand how much time goes into creating any episode if you know we put out an hour-long episode 
it's a lot more than just, hey, we sat down, press record, and an hour later we're done. Let's upload that. All right, thanks very much. We'll see you next week. So much more than that. So much more. Our episode 52, which was our what we called our season finale of, of season one or year one. That was a three-hour beast. It was the longest podcast we've had to date. Oh, my God. I, was, was it not literally three hours? It was like three hours and one yeah, minute. Yeah, three, a yes. full 301. Oh, I remember that. I was like, wow. Like, I've, I've not wanted to tip that three-hour mark. And I've, I've hit 259, but I never hit three. Yeah. Well, I, I edited it down from almost four hours worth of tape. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so I was, I was trying. I was, and, th- and that's where we talk about, I can pull half a second of silence out of here to shorten it. <laughs> you know, get it, just really digging into the details. So if you consider that I had to drive 45 minutes down to the winery where we recorded, we spent about, four hours at the winery recording. And then I had to drive home another 45 minutes. I spent about an hour and a half on the guest interview just recording. I then spent, because this was a year in review, I spent about two hours doing research on all the things we wanted to talk about in the, in the main episode. I spent three hours editing the interview itself which got down to about an hour worth of the final take and then i spent 10 hours editing the main episode oh my god (laughs) all in all i spent 19 hours on that one episode oh god i'm gonna vomit (laughs) i i I usually do my podcast standing up I've changed things up mm. here, and I'm like my knees are buckling mm. here for you. <laughs> oh, I'm 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 sorry. <laughs> it, it, you know, by the time it 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 hurt. It really hurt at the end. I'm just like, oh my god, just just get to the end. I'm almost there. It's the final ten minutes of tape. I can just just just. I was so tempted to just be like, skip to the end. You're done. I was like, no, I can't do that. I got I got to do it the through. process. See it through. Got got to do it. Got to got to persevere. I, I was done. I hit upload and I went to my sofa. I grabbed a beer and I'm like, I'm done for the rest of the day. I just, I don't think I moved. I was physically exhausted. Yeah. It's like, it's, we say it's a labor of love, but there's a lot of labor involved. It's, 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 it's quite the thing. And and the deeper you get into it, you know, I think, I, I don't know if people think that the more you do it, the you know the more streamlined your process will get, and the f- more efficient you'll get. I guess that is true in certain aspects. Parts of that that's that's a true statement in some areas, but then there's new things that you take on or other things that happen, and yeah, you build you build continually out continually learning. Yeah, you build out one area of the show into this, or you expand that, or you add a second, third, fourth, and fifth podcast. <laughs> mm. Mm. Just, Who does that? You, that's strange. You keep giving yourself more and more and more to do, and it's. Wait a minute! This is out of control, but I love it. Yeah. It's chaos, but I love it. I do too. As 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 you know, I I don't bring that up as an example to complain about no. it. No, it hurt, but God, I love doing this stuff. Like I it's I've complained so about editing and all the stuff that goes, you know, the the, sh- the show notes and prepping the show and the editing and all the other garbage. Mm. But it somehow, 
it's somehow become like part of the just the day to day. It's yeah. part of what I've done for the last two plus years. And if you know, I I didn't do it for a week just during the holidays. About ten days mm. we just I didn't look at the mic, I didn't make show notes, and mm. it felt weird. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. It's just good. It's it's the very definition of a of a labor of love. Indeed. And so all this stuff that we do, going back to Robert and Eric, is I had, I got contacted by a guy in Vegas last night who wants to start his own lightsaber group. And we've had this fantastic exchange between last night and today and, and, you know, asking questions and getting lots of answers and hearing more about what he wants to do. And you end up taking a moment and stepping back from a moment uh, for a minute and think about how this thing that you started really randomly two years ago has turned into a thing where now people are asking if we're interested in starting another chapter and growing upon, you know, expanding upon what we've started. And it's just, it's humbling. It's scary. It's humbling. It's all, it's all kinds of things, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, there's a first aspect of, I don't know if we're ready for that, but a lot of times you're never ready for what you go do and you kind of in hindsight realize, yeah, I was as ready as I could be. So who knows, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with this, but when, when people start contacting you and, and you talk about these things, it's just, it, it, it really helps you understand what an impact you're having even beyond what you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Every now and then Shame we get us. it, we get a note from, from a listener and mm-hmm. you know, they'll say, you know, Stubaka recently left us an amazing note of gratitude mm. and it was, it was just it was so humbling and we've we've gotten a couple over over the last couple of years and it's just okay i mean I, this is why we do this at first it was it was purely for us because we like star wars and then you start seeing that people actually enjoy what you do and that's why you, you keep stepping up to the mic every week and and putting out something new and putting your heart into it and hoping hoping that it continues to work for people yeah i we've said from the beginning you know, as long as three people listen to our show, we'll keep doing this because it's just fun. It's a lot more than three people listen to our show. I'm still not always sure why, but bless them for doing we it. We all sort of have that <laughs> imposter syndrome, right? Like nobody's going to, why, why yeah. is anybody listening? Yeah. But they do. And they tell us they like it. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, we're, we've got a diverse set of topics. So we kind of span a large spectrum based upon you know, it's a podcast from a lightsaber group. So yeah, we want to talk about lightsaber fighting, which interests some people, but probably less interesting to other people. And then we want to talk about Star Wars stuff and dive really deep because this guy keeps sending us what if questions that take us into <laughs> rabbit holes. That, I think that, that guy probably owes you a question. <laughs> we can always use content, whoever that guy is, if you're listening. I'll, I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. <laughs> oh, excellent. Good. All right. So, so, Lots of different topics, and it ends up being a little bit of something for a lot of different people. And and no one has ever come back to us going, I wish you didn't do as much of that. It's like, huh, all right. Well, we'll just keep, just keep doing, doing what it. we're doing. There you go. Yeah. All right, so let's run down your Mount Rushmore of Star Wars more time. You had Obi-Wan, Leia yep. slash Carrie Fisher, the maestro John yep. Williams, and your co-hosts mm. Eric and Robert. 
that's them. Yeah, I, I, I like that you had you, a little bit of everything, some on-screen, some off-screen, and, of course, some some, mm-hmm. some personal stuff there with the co-hosts. Had to. That's the way this gets done over at Worthy of Recognition. Star Wars is personal. Yep, as uh, Carrie Fisher said, right? It's it's about family. Mm. This, is, this is all our space family, right? Yep, absolutely true. Uh, Rito, dysfunctional space argue family. or deny. <laughs> Indeed. All right, Steve, this is where we say goodbye. But before we do, why don't you tell everybody the many places where they can find you? We are in many different corners of the internet. It can all be found from our website at sandiegosabers.net. We're on Facebook, Twitter. I found out we have a Snapchat. Didn't realize that until a week or two ago. <laughs> Congratulations. Somebody failed to tell me that. I'm like, yeah, th- thanks. I think. I don't know. I. Don't do Snapchat, so I'm not sure. Uh, we're on Tumblr, we're on Twitter. We got all the all the space, all the check marks checked. So uh, SanDiegoSabers.net. Uh, you can watch our page. We put out all the podcast stuff on both Facebook and and Twitter and Instagram. I forgot to mention Instagram. And we've got a a group there where we talk about all the lightsaber training and the events that we do. We do a lot of events. Our last episode, we talked about all the events we have coming up in 2018 and. We've got at least a dozen events or more planned for 2018, and there'll probably be at least that many that come up randomly ad hoc. So we're we're going to be busy this year as a group. That's awesome, man. It's good to hear that you guys have have a full, firm schedule going. That's awesome. It's fun. I mean, you, you hear about you know folks in the 501st, they're always doing troops and doing charity stuff, and we're not dissimilar to that. That's amazing, and 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 you get. I mean, people, the five hundred first is is a, is a tough gig to get into. There's mm. a lot of yeah. a lot of a lot of things involved, a lot of standards, which are which are good. I'm not I'm not saying it's, it's yeah. like elitist or exclusionary thing, but no. with lightsaber fighting, like you can you can just walk up as as a total rookie and just hop in. And we encourage people to, and it happens almost almost every single week. There's there's somebody new that shows up, and some of them try it out and go, mm, not for me. Great. Fantastic. And some of them stick around and they've become amazing fighters and, and other things. And one of, one of the approaches we take is we never want to charge people for this stuff. We do this completely for free. That is so cool. There's, there are other lightsaber groups. They do it as, as more of a formal martial arts program. And you sign up for say a six week, six week program for 60 bucks. And, I'm not saying anything's right or wrong, but our approach has been we are passionate about Star Wars and passionate about lightsaber combat, so, you know, just show up. And if you don't have gear or a saber at first, that's fine. We always have spares. Just come try it out. So, uh, you, you know, one of our, one of our, uh, our common fans is a uh, gentleman named Riley. Yes. We all know Riley. Lives about an hour north of me. That's pretty cool. Has he come and down? Has he come down? He he came down for our holiday party. So we we've hung out a couple of times. That's pretty I, rad. He he is he is committed. He has a crazy schedule, but he is committed that at some point he will come down and practice with us. Very cool. And the the newer show, I think you've probably heard of Tatooine Sons. Yes. David Jesse. Those guys also. <clears throat> yep. And the and the boys. They live nearby as well, and so they've talked about, we've talked about, yeah, you know, come down, and they want to come down and check it out too. So it's a small world. It really is. 
it's fantastic. So, and I mean, whether you get into it or not, who doesn't just love swinging a lightsaber around? Because you know, these half these people at the start anyway are making the noise. If not in their head, then even out loud. I still do. <laughs> there you go. And on that note, Steve, man, this was, this was yes. a blast. Thank you so much for coming by. I appreciate you inviting me. This is, you know, any opportunity to talk about this stuff, I'm in. You know that. Yeah, and I'm sure we will catch up again soon, and we'll talk about more Star Wars stuff. But uh, this was this was really great, and I, ju- I have to say thank you for being a powerful friend. Thank you for your support, most of all. And uh, amen. May the Force be with you, good sir. And with you. All right, everybody, that was Steve from San Diego Sabres Radio Podcast. Go check out their awesome podcast. And if you're in the SoCal area, you know, you got to go check those guys out and swing a few Sabres or so. And that will do it for Worthy of Recognition for this month. And if you want to, if you want to, this, this actually, this podcast is released early to our Patreon supporters, lovingly called the Powerful Friends. If you want to become a powerful friend, all you have to do is head over to patreon.com slash tumblingsaber, check it out. Two, three bucks a month it opens up a whole new world of fandom to you. So if you like this podcast, there's a lot more where that came from. Patreon.com slash TumblingSaber. Check it out. And for everybody else, thank you everybody for listening and have yourselves an excellent weekend. And we'll talk to you in the next episode of the Tumbling Saber podcast. Bye for now. <laughs>